0: Welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast on CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of your favorite Boston sports teams. Be sure to follow CLNS Radio on Twitter at CLNS Radio and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. You can also download the CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. Or for Android, you can go to clnsradio.com Android. And for iOS, you can go to clnsradio.com iOS free. What's going on, everybody? My name is Michael Longhi. I'm your host for this week's edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast. Coming at you on Friday, July 15th, 2016. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to be getting back to our roster breakdowns. This week, we're going to talk about the running back position. Very important position in this New England Patriots offense, so we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about there. But first we have to get to a bit of uh, breaking news here. We got two days ago we had the final deflate gate decision come down. Uh, at least I believe it's the final decision. We will see in time. But uh, Tom Brady's request for an unbound hearing in front of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals was denied. So we're going to get into all of that stuff. What does it mean? Uh, what actually happened? Where do they go from here? Uh, We're going to get into all of that stuff and then get to our roster breakdowns, as I said. Uh, So let's get right into it. Uh, First of all, I just want to say that this first section of the uh, show is brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, The onslaught of big summer blockbusters around this time of year is the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's most unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbearable characters and objects. And you can do that with Loot Crate. Uh, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic, geek, and gamer items and pop culture gear. Uh, for less than $20 a month, you get 6 to 8 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and much more. Uh, you have until the 19th of every month at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So make sure to head over to LootCrate.com CLNS, and you can enter the code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. That's LootCrate.com CLNS and enter the code CLNS to save $3 on a new subscription. Uh, So like I said, we're going to start with Deflategate News. We're going to get right into that here. Uh, As I said, Tom Brady's appeal for an en banc hearing, which would have been a hearing in front of all 13 judges on the Second Circuit Court panel, was flatly denied in a one-word sentence that was released on Wednesday morning. I'll read it for you right here. They name... Uh, all of the defendants, all of the plaintiffs in the case, and then says, Here is your statement right here. Appellees, National Football League Players Association, and Tom Brady filed a petition for panel hearing or, in the alternative, for hearing on bunk. The panel that determined the appeal has considered the request for panel rehearing, and the active members of the court have considered the request for hearing on bunk. It is hereby ordered that the petition is denied. For the court, Catherine O'Hagan Wolf, clerk. So that's it. That's it. That's all they said. Uh, it is denied. Flatly denied. Didn't really give you much of an explanation. Not that you were expecting much of an explanation from these guys. They don't really have to give you much of an explanation. Uh, they don't want to hear the case again. They're not going to hear it. So there you go. That effectively reinstates Tom Brady's four-game suspension. Uh, as of right now, he will be missing the first four games of the season. Now, Tom Brady does have one final option, and that is to take this to the U.S. Supreme Court, or to attempt to take it to the U.S. Supreme Court, I should say. At this point, it is not about deflated footballs anymore. It's probably not even about Tom Brady anymore. This is about labor versus management. This is the NFLPA versus the NFL. Which is why I think this is actually they're actually going to try to take this to the Supreme Court. I personally think this is over. I think that you know this was Brady's last chance to get the court to rule in his favor. If the court had ruled in Tom Brady's favor at this junction right here, the NFL would try to appeal to the Supreme Court. And at that point, I don't think they would get a hearing in front of the Supreme Court either. I don't think anybody's getting a hearing in front of the Supreme Court. This is just... This is not a big enough issue, you can't prove that this is a big enough issue to bring this in front of the Supreme Court, in my opinion, in a layman's opinion. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a law expert, but just, you know, from all the things we've heard about this, from I've heard about this case, I mean, we've been hearing about this for over 18 months now, it's, I mean, it's just, it's too much gray area in all of this deflate gate talk, so I don't necessarily think the Supreme Court is going to want to deal with this. There's a lot of other stuff that they can be dealing with besides, you know, labor versus management in the NFL, which, by the way, has a collective bargain agreement that both sides had to agree to. So, you know, it's going to be really hard to get this in front of the Supreme Court for all of those reasons. It's a very long shot in itself. I mean, just anybody trying to get a, court in a case in front of the Supreme Court, Out of a, I heard today, out of about 8,000 to 9,000 requested Cases per year, uh, the Supreme Court hears about a hundred of them, if that. So already, just on top of you know everything, it is a long shot to get this heard in front of the Supreme Court. And then, like I said, it's it's kind of hard to argue the labor issue. I mean, the NFLPA collectively bargained with the NFL had to to have Roger Goodell have the this large amount of power. They're going to have to prove. That he overstepped his bounds they're going to have to prove that tom brady will have that there will be uh that there's reasonable probability that the supreme court will agree with tom brady he also has to prove that there will be irreparable harm to tom brady if he doesn't get this hurt so there's a lot of different factors going in here that just gonna it's gonna make it hard it's not impossible it's just a really, really long shot. Uh, now if anybody has a shot at this, it's Tom Brady and his group of lawyers. he's got uh, he brought on his team Ted Olson who is one of the supreme uh, appellate lawyers in the country. So that's definitely going to help him out. He's obviously got his other guy, Jeff Jeffrey Kessler who has you know been with him this entire time. All of the NFL PA lawyers are all in on this because like I said, let's be honest, this is labor versus management. This is not Tom Brady versus Roger Goodell anymore. As much as we would like to, as Patriots fans, as much as you would like to think this is Tom Brady fighting for his rights against the Iron Fist of Roger Goodell, that's really not what it's come to. It's come to all of the players fighting against the collective management of the NFL, which just so happens to be headed by Roger Goodell. Um... Let's uh, let's look at the NFLPA's statement after the ruling came down, and I mean it pretty much tells you everything right here. "Quote: We are disappointed with the decision denying a rehearing, as there were clear violations of our collective bargaining agreement by the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell. Despite today's work, this was obviously on Wednesday. Despite today's result, the track record of this league office when it comes to matters of player discipline is bad for our business and bad for our game. We have a broken system." That must be fixed. We will review all of our options carefully on behalf of Tom Brady and all NFL players. So that's it right there. I mean, yeah, they said we're going to review our options carefully on behalf of Tom Brady and all NFL players. Uh, Clear violations of our collective bargaining agreement. The NFLPA is fighting with the NFL over an issue that they should have fought harder for back in 2010 when there was the lockout. Now, unfortunately, the way the NFL pay system seems to be structured, a lot of these NFL players tend to live check to check, which is a huge issue in itself. But that makes it really difficult for these guys to, like, say, skip an entire season, go on strike for a whole year. Like in Major League Baseball back in the 90s, They said, we are not going to play no matter what. And there was no World Series. I believe it was 1994. I mean, I was a really young kid at that point. But I believe it was 1994 where there was no World Series because the players just said, we are not going to play until we get what we want. And the league eventually had to, the owners in the league eventually had to say, okay. And now we look at it, you know, 20 years later, and the Major League Baseball has the best uh, collective bargaining agreement for its players by far. I mean the NBA is probably a close second, but Major League Baseball by far has the best collective bargaining agreement because the players were willing and able to strike for an entire year. Imagine can you imagine if NFL players banded together long enough to skip an entire NFL season and a Super Bowl? I mean that would just it'd be unprecedented. It'd be unbelievable if that were to happen. But the fact of the matter is, is, these guys these guys need a paycheck. They just need it. So it's, it's probably not going to happen. It's why it didn't happen in 2010. And it's why it probably won't happen in, what is it, 2020 or 2021, whenever the uh, next round of collective bargaining negotiations has to come up. Um, and it seems like the NFLPA is kind of fighting for that precedent, that principle now, as opposed to, you know, they should have six years ago. But... You know, that's kind of beside the point. That is a conversation for a different day. Let's look at what Tom Brady has to do now in order to get a Supreme Court hearing. Like we said, well, first of all, he needs to get a stay. That's this that's his next step. He needs to file for what's called a stay, which would be basically, you know, the the suspension would be in limbo until a hearing is decided upon, whether you're going to have a hearing, whether you're not going to have a hearing, whatever. Tom Brady would be allowed to play under a stay. So, basically, he's going to have to request a stay. It can be filed any time before the season starts. As we all know, I'm sure all the Patriots fans out there know, the season, the first game of the year, is September 11th against the Arizona Cardinals. So the request will be filed any time before that day. And under the rules of the Supreme Court, the, the request must include the assertions that there is reasonable probability that four justices will vote to accept the case for consideration. That there is fair prospect that five justices will support Brady in the ultimate decision because it needs to be a, a five-person majority rule. And that there needs to be irreparable harm, or and that irreparable harm will result if Brady doesn't get a stay. So it's you know kind of hard to prove all of that stuff to get all that stuff together in one case. Not impossible. Brady definitely has the lawyers to be able to do it. We will, in fact, see if he can do it. Uh, and the person who decides on that stay will be Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is the person who handles all requests for stays that come from the Second Circuit Court. And, you know, I was listening to WEI radio yesterday. They had Michael McCann on, who is a Sports Illustrated.com uh, law uh expert and also a professor of law at the University of New Hampshire. And he was a guy who was in on the Maurice Clarett court case back when he wanted to come out of college early before players were allowed to come out of college early. And basically their their appeal to the the uh, Second Circuit Court was also denied. They appealed to Justice Ginsburg for a stay and she basically rejected it instantly. So And McCann said, he said, you know, while while that might happen, you know, it could happen, it could not happen, we'll just have to see. Uh, But it's really kind of all up to uh, Justice Ginsburg if she wants to uh, give Tom Brady a stay or not. So, there's all the legal mumbo-jumbo. There's all the the stuff right there. That's, That's where Brady stands right now. As of right now, Tom Brady is suspended for the first four games of the season. He... He can file for a stay. That can happen anytime before September 11th. It's going to happen sooner rather than later because they're going to want to get this ball rolling. But what does this mean for the team? What does this mean for the New England Patriots on the football field? If Tom Brady's not playing the first four games, that means that Jimmy Garoppolo is your starting quarterback. That means that Jacoby Brissett, rookie third-round pick out of North Carolina State, is your backup quarterback, unless, you know, another quarterback is signed. So, how, how, do, how do Patriots fans feel about that? Now, me personally, well, sure, I mean, there is obviously some worry there, because Jimmy Garoppolo is not Tom Brady. And you would love to come out with Tom Brady and all these weapons. We all know, you know, despite the, the kind of records that the Patriots have started with over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. You know, they generally start out pretty well, three and one, four and one, whatever. There's a lot of two and two starts. Even if they do start three and one in a lot of these cases, they're really kind of slow out of the gate as a team. It looks like they're really starting to still figure stuff out. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, Bill Belichick does treat September. In fact, Mike Reese told me this on, uh, on the show a couple weeks ago. He said, yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick tends to use September... As, you know, kind of an extended preseason where he's still working out the kinks. He's still finding guys to fit into roles and things like that. So that would, you know, kind of account for a slower start to the season. But you would obviously like to see Tom Brady in there working out the kinks with the offense during the first four weeks. It looks like that's not going to be the case. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be your guy. Third year man, he's coming into his third season and... While he's not Tom Brady, obviously, he's not shown that he's, you know, a viable starting quarterback in this league. We have no idea. We have no idea what Jimmy Garoppolo is. If you think you know what Jimmy Garoppolo is, uh, you're a fool because, I mean, you just haven't seen him. He's played in 11 games in his first two years, started zero. You know, that's Sunday Night Football start against the Arizona Cardinals on September 11th would be his first NFL career start. And that's a big ask, going on the road against a really good team, especially a really good defensive team, on Sunday night football, You know, leading the helm of the New England Patriots offense. So that's going to be a lot to ask of, of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, there's a reason why Bill Belichick drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round two years ago you know, the highest drafted quarterback that in in Bill Belichick's tenure, mind you. So there's a reason for that, and, you know, this seems to be coming from, you know, a lot of people around the Patriots camp, there seems to be a lot of optimism around Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of people seem to think that he can come in and he can do this. You know, he knows the offense. He's been in the system for two years. He's actually you know, he has played pretty well in the times when When he's come into the game. Now, granted, you know, a lot of the times he comes into the game, it's either a massive it's a massive blowout either way. Remember he came in against the Kansas City Chiefs when they were getting when the Patriots were getting blown out. He's also come in when the Patriots were blowing teams out. So does can you really tell a lot from that? Not necessarily, but listen. The fact of the matter is, Jimmy Garoppolo is just gonna need to. Throw these those quick out routes, those quick out passes. Cause I mean, think about the amount of weapons that he's gonna have at his disposal. And this is really the main reason why you would want Tom Brady to start the season, because you want him to start getting more in sync with guys like Martellus Bennett and guys like Chris Hogan, and you know the newer guys on the team. You'd want him to get Tom Brady to get more in sync with those guys. But I think that's gonna be happening in training camp. I think it's going to be, a, it's very similar situation to last year if you look at it. I mean, last year, Tom Brady at this point heading into training camp. We're about, you know, a week and a half away from training camp here. Uh, actually, two weeks exactly. We are 14 days away from the first practice of training camp on July 28th. So, you know, last year Tom Brady was suspended at this point. And everyone was talking about, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. And yet Tom Brady was getting the majority of the reps in the preseason and in the tra- and in training camp, the first team reps and things like that. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened again this year. wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Jimmy will probably get more reps than he got last year because this year it looks much more likely that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback. Like, as I said before, I, I think this is over. I think this is the, the last stop in deflate Gate. I think that The Supreme Court is not going to hear this. I think that Tom Brady probably isn't going to get a stay. So this is probably over, which means that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback week one, and the Patriots are going to have to prepare for that. Garoppolo is going to have to prepare for that. He's going to have to get those first-team snaps. He's going to have to be throwing the ball to Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman and all these guys. He's going to have to get a rapport with those guys. So, I mean, we'll see. He really is, like I said, he's going to have to throw, I think the attack will be a lot of, you know, not a lot of running, but a decent amount of run the ball, which will tie in nicely to our running back conversation that we're going to have in a few minutes. But I think the attack is going to be run the football and throw those quick out routes, those quick slant routes, hit guys like Edelman, Edelman, Amandola, Chris Hogan, hit those guys underneath. You can, you know, offset that with Gronk and Martellus Bennett. Those guys can maybe fly up the seams and get open. And then, you know, all Garoppolo has to do is kind of lay that touch throw over the top to one of these massive tight ends that he's got. The Patriots are definitely in the best position to lose their starting quarterback out of, I think, any team in football. Because, you know, as unproven as Jimmy Garoppolo is, the pieces around him, at least the skill position pieces, we still have no idea about the offensive line. We have no idea about the offensive line. But the skill position guys around him can make the plays for him if he just hits them with those quick passes. Those quick, boom, one-two step, and, and hit the quick out route. One, two, three, hit the quick slant. It's, it's going to be like that. One step, hit that screen pass. It's going to be stuff like that. Hit, you know, Deion Lewis out of the backfield. Stuff like that. As opposed to uh, the more down the field stuff, which I think Tom Brady will try to exploit with those two tight ends later on in the season. But it's going to be very interesting. It's definitely, it's definitely going to be a much more interesting training camp than it would have been now that we know, you know, all eyes are going to be on Jimmy Garoppolo. But as I said, I mean, we'll talk more about that As we get closer to the season, we're two weeks away from training camp, we're about a month away from the first preseason game, so we've still got plenty of time to talk about all of that stuff. But uh, as I said, we are going to continue our roster breakdown series this week. We've been breaking down, as a lot of you know who've been listening, we've been breaking down each position group as we've gone through uh, the six weeks leading up to training camp. We've done defensive backs, offensive line, quarterbacks, wide receivers and tight ends, and we are now coming to the running back position, which is one of the more important positions in the Patriots' offense. Despite the you know, perception that the Patriots are a pass-happy offense, the running back is a very, very, very important position in this offense. And there's a lot of storylines to talk about here. So we're going to get to all that stuff. Uh, this week's Roster Breakdown series is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process. It's always been hard to find the best deal for a game or that show that you want to go to. None of those other ticket sites ever want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. But don't take our word for it. Don't take my word for it. Just try SeatGeek for yourself, and you can save $20. In order to save your $20, you can go ahead, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click on add a promo code and then enter the promo code RSB. That's the promo code RSB and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app, go to settings, click on add a promo code and enter the code RSB and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So here we go. Talking running backs. We've got a lot of running backs on the roster. As I count right here, I got two, four, six, nine running backs on the roster that I can count here. And there's probably only going to be, I, I would say, three spots. And one of those spots will be probably like that Brandon Bolden, uh, mainly special teams guy spot. And then you've got two running backs who will get the majority of the, of the carries. The issue with that is, you know, obviously a lot of teams only keep, you know, three, maybe four running backs on the roster. But running backs get beat up, man. They get beat up. I mean, just look at the Patriots running backs. We've got, you know, Deion Lewis and LeGarrette Blunt both had season-ending injuries last year. Uh, Donald Brown has had injury issues over the past couple years after he left Indianapolis. Uh, DJ Foster, a young rookie undrafted player that was signed out of Arizona State, he had injury issues even this this mini camp so i mean there's a lot of you know wear and tear that goes into these running backs there's a lot of guys getting beat up over you know just getting pounded and pounded and pounded in in, in the trenches down there but i would say as you know as a team the patriots they do employ that power running game to an extent but there's a lot of you know pass catching out of the backfield that goes on with the Patriots. And I'll tell you what, this group of guys that the Patriots have here is definitely a, a a formidable formidable group of pass catchers. You know, obviously we saw what Deion Lewis did in those nine games last year before his injury. He was unbelievable. He was on his way to being, you know, one of the best running backs in the league production wise last year. He was a fantasy football stud for those of you who play fantasy football. I mean, it was it was great. He came out of, and he came out of nowhere, which was great. Uh, and then you have you know James White, who was your replacement for Deion Lewis, the pass catching back, who you know needs to take that next step. Donald Brown is a pretty good pass catcher, you know all things considered. Brandon Bolden has shown that he can catch the ball a little bit. D.J. Foster uh, in college was your prototypical wide receiver running back threat. I mean, he was drafted as a running back slash wide receiver. I mean, he is that, that pro, uh, dual threat guy. So there's a lot of guys who can catch the football on this Patriots team. The question is, who's going to make the team? I mean, you would think that Deion Lewis would be a lock af- you know, after his injury. He signed that extension before he got hurt. And... You know, then you got LeGarrette uh, Blunt probably isn't even a, a, a lock at this point. I honestly can't see any locks. Maybe Brandon Bolden because of that special teams aspect. You know, I think he might be a guy who could, could just stay on the roster simply because he contributes so often on special teams. And then maybe James White. But, you know... James White is kind of one-dimensional at this point. I, I, you know, hopefully he can make that next step this season. But at this point, he's kind of one-dimensional. I mean, he can't run the football. There was there was points last year. I remember talking about it you know, ad nauseum on the post-game show almost every week. You'd say, oh, I mean, the Patriots, yeah, it would be great if they could run the ball, but the reason they can't is because they'll either bring out James White and the defense knows there's going to be a, a pass to the running back or a pass in general, or you're going to bring out Legarrette Blunt, and that means you're going to pound it up the middle. They didn't have a guy who could do both. You know, Deion Lewis, as despite his slight stature, you know, five foot eight, smaller guy. He could still run between the tackles pretty efficiently, as well as obviously catch the ball out of the backfield and make things happen in the open field. Once he went down, there was really no guy who could do both. There wasn't that. You know, LeGarrette Blunt can't catch the football. James White can't run the football. Brandon Bolden really doesn't get enough of an opportunity, and he can't really do it all on a consistent basis. He's not a consistent runner. He's not a consistent pass catcher. So there was really nowhere to turn at that point, so the Patriots ended up having to play with that. You know, okay, we're going to bring James White out. Defense knows it's most likely going to be a pass. We're going to bring Garrett Blunt out. Defense knows it's most likely going to be a run. And that got the Patriots into a lot of trouble at certain points in the year, especially because of the offensive line issues. You know, that was just kind of adding on top of all this stuff. Because not only did the defense assume that they knew it was coming, they also knew that they could fly right through that turnstile of an offensive line. So the running back position is going to be kind of big this year. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. Obviously, we talked about the injuries. Dion Lewis, LeGarrette Blunt, both had season-ending injuries last season. You know, Donald Brown has had injury concerns. Uh, DJ Foster had an injury, a leg injury, in minicamp. So, you know, where... That's one thing, the injuries. Because we know injuries are going to happen in in the NFL. We know that injuries are going to happen. It's a matter of dealing with them, having the depth in order to deal with them. And, you know... Going back to, I know I keep mentioning my, my conversation with Mike Reese the other day, but he brought this up. He said, you know, one of the few positions on the Patriots roster that I think is in need of depth is the running back position. And, you know, you can see that because one guy goes down. We saw it last year. I just said it. Deion Lewis goes down, and you really only had a couple of one-dimensional running backs. And you're just not going to be able to get it done with a guy like that. You know, you see the, guy, the teams who have... You know, all the well the the all star this the star running backs in the NFL nowadays are guys like Le'Veon Bell who can pass, who can catch and run. You know, guys who are those dual threat players. Those are the guys who are, you know, the big star running backs. Now well the Patriots don't need a guy like that, but they do need a guy who can run the ball and catch the ball efficiently enough to be able to, you know, stay in this offense. And looking at the list of guys, like I mentioned, there's really no one else there. I mean, Deion Lewis, you, you basically, as a Patriots fan, would like to hope that Dion Lewis is healthy. Because he is, at this point, your best running back. Your best running back, Deion Lewis, coming off an ACL injury. LeGarrette Blunt coming off that hip injury. You know, he's 29 years old and just had a season-ending hip injury. How, how explosive is he going to be? He already wasn't that explosive. You know how much explosiveness is he gonna lose, and does he really have a spot on this team? Brandon Bolden, is he ever gonna get an opportunity to become a, a more often than not a running back as opposed to be a, a mainly a special teams guy? James Devlin, we haven't even talked about James Devlin. Uh, he's a guy who I thought last year after he went down with that broken leg that caused a lot of issues not because you know he was a guy who ran the ball all the time or anything like that but you know at the fullback position the patriots have always done well with a really good fullback we all remember you know Heath Evans and all these guys James Devlin was a really good fullback he's a guy who can catch the ball if you need him to he was a great blocker almost was in sec- uh, you know a sixth offensive lineman and once he went down that was a big issue I think he's gonna have a big role in this team. I think he's a guy who will make the roster, not, you know, as a guy who's gonna run and catch the football, but as a guy who is gonna be brought in to be that fullback, to be that extra blocker, and maybe every once in a while be that decoy and you know, fly out and catch a pass, no one's even looking at him. But then you've got all these younger guys. You know, DJ Foster, like I mentioned, twenty two years old, undrafted rookie out of Arizona State. Tyler Gaffney, who's been on the team for a couple years, you know, bouncing between practice squad and all that stuff, he's 25 years old. Uh, Joey Yosefa, a little bit older. I believe he's 27 years old. Uh, no, he's 25 years old as well. So, you know, there's a lot of younger guys. James White, 24. So there's a lot of younger guys on this team. Wow, Brandon Bolden's only 26 years old. I feel like he's been on this team forever, and he's only 26. He's played for five years. That's, like, kind of hard to believe. <laughs> But anyway, you know, the younger guy, out of the younger guys, I really like DJ Foster. Now, apparently during mini camps and things like that, he was getting a lot of work on special teams, which, you know, would kind of suggest to me, hey, he might be in line to get a roster spot. He definitely may be in line for a roster spot. But. He also had what was, you know, termed uh, a leg injury at some point during minicamp, which caused him to miss some time. And as a guy who is an undrafted rookie free agent, missing any sort of time is not going to bode well for uh, making the team. Now, I say I'm intrigued by him because I looked at his numbers. You know, in college, he was one of he, one of only five. Uh, College football players in history to have over 2,000 rushing yards and 2,000 receiving yards in a college career. He was also uh, I saw a, a story that said he rushed for 60. That is six, zero, 60 touchdowns in his senior year of high school, which is like almost unfathomable because you got to figure they probably only played at max, you know, 13 or 14 games maybe like 12 games, which would mean he scored like five, four or five touchdowns a game in his senior year of high school. Granted, it's high school football. It was high school football in Arizona, which, you know, is a little more competitive. But I'm just intrigued by the guy. You know, he's fast, very explosive. He's that guy, like I said, run and pass, dual threat guy, a guy that the Patriots, you know, a prototypical guy that the Patriots would go after. Right, A guy who can do a little bit of everything. Maybe the injury issues will cause him to not make the team. Maybe he'll end up on the practice squad to start out. But I think that's a guy, DJ Foster, keep an eye out for that name. Because I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I honestly couldn't give you a legitimate reason other than I'm intrigued by the numbers and the apparent explosiveness of this kid. But I think he's going to be on this team at some point during the year. I think DJ Foster is going to be getting playing time snaps on the field for the New England Patriots. Whether it's because of an injury to a guy like Deion Lewis or James White or whoever. Or it's because he just flat out earned a spot in training camp through battling. I think DJ Foster is a guy who is going to be on this team. He's going to make the roster as an undrafted free agent. Now, Belichick's had some success with undrafted free agents as of late. You know, obviously Malcolm Butler was a guy at the cornerback position where he was an undrafted free agent, was barely fighting to make the team, bouncing between practice squad and all that stuff, and eventually becomes a Super Bowl hero. And then becomes a Pro Bowler the following year. So you don't know. I mean, DJ Foster could be a guy who turns out that kind of production. He, you know, he fell in the draft partly because he suffered some injuries in college. Now, he saw su- I think it was a knee injury, and now we're talking leg injury in minicamp. Maybe there's some issues there, but if if not, I think he's a guy who can definitely be on this roster. Maybe by by game 1. And then another question I've got is on James White. James White, I mentioned this earlier. James White is a guy who is, is pretty one-dimensional at this point in his career. He's not a guy who I see as a very good runner between the tackles runner, Which is weird because I remember, I, re- I specifically remember watching him in college at the University of Wisconsin and he was a great runner. He was a great runner. Now, maybe it's because that the University of Wisconsin features a power run game and they consistently churn out you know, 300-plus pound offensive linemen who go into the NFL. Maybe that's why he was so successful. But he was a really good between-the-tackles runner in college. I don't even really remember seeing him catch many balls out of the backfield. And then all of a sudden he comes into the league, drafted by the Patriots, and becomes this pass-catching back and can't really run between the tackles. So I'm not sure where the... The transformation happened there, but, I mean, this is a guy who I'm sure Patriots fans would love to see put this all together. Because then you don't even need a guy like DJ Foster. Then you have a, a Deion Lewis, who we already know can, pass, can catch the ball and run the ball. And then you're backing him up with a guy like James White, who we know we've seen can catch the ball. And then if he can go ahead and run it between the tackles as well, that solves a lot of problems. You don't want to come out there with the one-dimensional running back. Because the defense almost knows what's coming. It's it's just silly. If, if you're going to try to say, oh, we're going to attack with uh, James White. Okay, we know a pass is coming. We're going to attack with LeGarrette Blunt, Okay, well, we know he's not going to catch the ball, so there's probably not going to be a pass. If it is going to be a pass, it's going to be to probably Gronk or Edelman or whatever. The defense knows what's coming, and that affects the entire offense. So having a guy like James White, if he can round out his game, become a, a decent runner, then okay. Now we're talking. But until that happens, I mean, he, I don't think he deserves a, a a lock spot on this roster. I don't think he's a, a lock to make the team unless he's that guy. Like I said, I don't think Legara Blunt is a lock to make this team. Because he's a guy add in the not not only is he a one dimensional running back, he's also coming off a season ending hip injury and will turn thirty by the end of the year. So that's another issue to put on top of it. I don't want the Patriots to come into the season with Deion Lewis and a bunch of one dimensional backs. Because then, you know, Deion Lewis, let's be honest, his legs have failed him in his career so far. He came in as a rookie and broke his leg like severely. And it kind of hampered him for a couple years. Until last year when he came back, had that amazing 9 game stretch to start the year and then tore his ACL. So, I mean, this could this guy could have recurring leg injuries and his career could be done, you know, sooner rather than later. And then what will the Patriots be left with? the same exact thing they were left with last year. Two one-dimensional running backs that they will alternate between. And, and then you bring in like, and that, that'll that force you to bring in a guy like Joey Yosefa. You know, a guy who probably shouldn't even have seen the field last year, but ended up having a couple carries and had that, you know, that one big run where he blasted through that that tackler and all that stuff. Which is great to see. It's a great story and all that stuff, but you know, let's be honest, Joey Yosefa probably shouldn't have been able to shouldn't have needed to see the field for the Patriots last year. Brandon Bolden, you would think I would think personally that Brandon Bolden would be the next guy in line. But he never seems to be the next guy in line. He never seems to consistently get snaps at running back. And it, it, it there must be a reason for it. Maybe he's not consistent enough on the practice field. Maybe he puts the ball on the ground too much. Maybe Belichick sees him has more of a contributor on special teams. And that's why, you know, he says, listen, I know you're a running back. I know you can run the football, but we need you on special teams. We don't need you at running back. Maybe that's the reason. I mean, I have no idea. It's Bill Belichick obviously won't tell you why. But there's got to be a reason why Brandon Bolden, who has been with this team for six years and has been a consistent contributor on special teams, why he has never gotten a consistent shot at the running back position. There's got to be a reason. And, you know, I don't think that's going to change this year. I think that he'll probably be a guy who will be relegated to mostly special teams again. Donald Brown is a guy who, you know, seven years in the league, 29 years old, he, you know, had a a good first few years in Indianapolis. I think had a couple thousand yard seasons. He had at least one thousand yard season. A couple good years. Ended up in San Diego, and then had some injury issues, and the production just fell off a cliff. I mean, he barely played last year. And San Diego, you know, went out and drafted guys like Ryan Matthews, and you know, tra- traded for guys. And I remember it was, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but they had a another Darren Sproles-type running back kind of emerge out of their backfield, and and Donald Brown ended up on the bench for almost the entire season. I think he had like five carries last year, if I remember correctly. I mean, he, he was doing nothing. So, I mean, how much gas does he have left in the tank? We all know that running backs tend to hit the wall around age 30, and they tend to fall off a cliff after that wall. So what, what kind of a motor does he have left? I'm not really sure there. He Could he earn a, a, a spot on the team through training game and things like that? Yeah, I mean, he could. I I would personally, if it was me, would probably give the spot to, if the guys are contributing and things like that, I'd probably give the spot to a guy like a DJ Foster or a Tyler Gaffney over a guy like a Donald Brown, personally, younger guys. You know, Tyler Gaffney is a pr- a pretty big guy, six feet two oh five, sorry, six feet two twenty. At twenty five years old, out of Stanford. You know, he's a guy who didn't get much run. Maybe he can start. You know, busting through and contributing. But I would give the spot to a guy, a younger guy like a Donald Brown. I mean, like a Tyler Gaffney or a DJ Foster, as opposed to. Giving it to 29-year-old Donald Brown, who hasn't really had a great year since, like, 2010, 2011, something like that. So, you know, that's just me, personally. But uh, someone's going to have to step into that spot. Someone's going to have to be the guy behind Dion Lewis that can be relied upon. Will it be James White? Will it be LeGarrette Blunt? Will it be Donald Brown? Will it be one of these guys, DJ Foster, Tyler Gaffney, a young guy who's finally broken through this year? You know, they tend to say your your second, third year around there is when players really start to break through. You know, Tyler Gaffney is entering his fourth season, hasn't really been able to break through yet, and six feet two twenty can do a little bit of everything. Played at Stanford, which was a pro style offense. This is a guy who could potentially you know, break through and maybe earn a spot on the roster. But we'll see. I mean, one thing is for sure, because we've already talked about Gate and everything, one thing is for sure, the run game is going to be much more important than normal in the first four games of the year. That's just a fact. You can't send Jimmy Garoppolo out there to throw the football 55 times in a game. There's just no way. You're not going to win that game if he's throwing 55 passes. Now, I know the Patriots are very game plan specific, and there are sometimes when they come out with game plans that say, we are going to throw the ball 55 times. Or they come out and say, we're going to run the ball 40 times and just cram it down your throat. So, I guess it's feasible, that Jimmy Garoppolo could come out and throw 55 passes, but I would advise against that. I don't think that he's, you know, he's shown me a little bit. He's shown me enough to where I'm not nervous about him starting week 1. I'm not. Because I think the talent around him is good enough and I think he knows the system well enough to be able to execute as much as he needs to execute in order to, you know, go two and two or three and one or whatever. I also think the Patriots' defense is good enough to, to keep New England in a lot of these games where, you know, Garoppolo won't have to... It's not like he's going to have to have a, a scoring battle with, with these teams. It's not going to happen. But anyway, I think the running back position is going to be very important regardless. I think that the Patriots are going to need to be able to run the football. Coming into the season, thinking that Tom Brady was going to be the quarterback, my thought process was the Patriots are going to need to be able to run the football. They really couldn't run the ball last year at all. And that was an issue. That turned into an issue. Teams were just turning their pass rushers loose on a weak offensive line. And the Patriots couldn't combat that because, like I said, they only had a couple of one dimensional guys behind at running back. So the run game needs to improve. Will the offensive line and the return of Dave, um, the, sorry, the return of Dante Scarnecchia? At offensive line coach, will that help the running game? Yeah, it might help it a little bit. Uh, you got a lot of guys on this offensive line, you know, Shaq Mason, this new guy Joe Thune, a lot of these guys who are really good run blocking guards, stuff like that. Maybe this is a maybe this is because hey, we're gonna try to really run the football more. You got that other big tight end now, Martellus Bennett who not only is a ridiculous pass-catching threat, but is also a really good blocker. And think about it, you You come out on the field with Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett at the two-tight end spot with your two-tight end set, and then you've got maybe James Devlin at fullback and whoever at running back and maybe one wide receiver. Everybody knows you're running the football, but you're still going to be able to run that football. Because you've just got so many big bodies out there. And, you know, as much as I'm excited for the two tight end passing attack of Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski, I'm just as excited to see how they help improve the running game. And how they open up holes for these running backs and things like that. Because both of them, we know Rob Gronkowski is a great pass blocker. I mean, a great run blocker, great blocker in general. And we've heard that Martellus Bennett is a really good run blocker. That is yet yet to be seen in person with my own eyes, but I'm going to go with the the people who say that he's a really good run blocker. And that, as much as anything, will help one of these running backs uh, break through and become a, a real contributor here. Uh, but before we get out of here, guys, I would just like to remind you to go ahead and check out our CLNS Radio YouTube page. CLNS Radio is the best of written, spoken, and watch Boston sports coverage. For the best audio and video, you can turn to CLNS Radio's YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. When you go there, you'll get high-definition, full-length locker room interviews. You'll also get The Garden Report, which is our HD post-game show shot on the parquet floor at the TD Garden. Uh, And you can subscribe there and check out all the great stuff we have waiting for you there. Um, So we're going to put a wrap on today's podcast. Uh, This broadcast will, as all all of them are, will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as at clnsradio.com. Thank you to all you guys who tuned in. Uh, You can help support the show by subscribing to the Patriots Beat Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And please leave us a rating and review uh, we'd love to know what you guys think, and it really helps us grow the show and help us you know, make this better for you guys, the listeners, who are obviously the most important people to us. Uh, today's show has been brought to you by Loot Crate. Once again, check out the great deals, and most importantly, you guys would really help out our broadcast by, by checking them out. Go to LootCrate.com, check out their free offers. Also be able to check out the SeatGeek app, great app that I also use myself. Uh, our two presenting sponsors who along with, most importantly, you guys, our most loyal uh, CLNS Radio audience, you're the guys who make this broadcast possible, so we just want to thank you again. Uh, for our program director, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of our great network, Nick gelso uh, my name is Mike Alonji, this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, and we'll see you guys next week.